Could you imagine two people who have the exact same reaction to the same situation? Yet, one person gets punished and the other person is not. And you look at that situation very odd. Could you imagine a teacher, a Rebbe, sitting in a classroom in front of a whole class of kids? And there are two kids in the class that have the exact same reaction to what the rabbi said. One, the rabbi is upset at, and the other one, the rabbi is not. You look at the situation very odd. Well, believe it or not, in the parasha that we just read, the exact mirrored situation and result was shown by Abraham and Sarah Imenu. Boreolam comes to Abraham Avinu. And Hashem tells Abraham in Lech Lecha, in Perek Yudzayim, Pasuk Yudzayim. Abraham, in spite of the fact of your 99 years, next year I'm going to bless you with a baby boy. At that moment, what was the reaction of Abraham Avinu? Vayipol Abraham alpanav vayitzhak. And he left. Abraham Avinu actually chuckled. Now, a reaction like that, and he said to himself, I'm 100 years old, I'm going to have a child. His reaction was that he left. Again, we find that sure enough in this week's parasha Vayera, when the angels come posed as the travelers, Abraham Avinu does chesed, achnasat orchim, they give him the wonderful besurah tova. They tell Abraham Avinu to tell Sarah Imenu, that we're going to return, What was Sarah's reaction? The Pasuk tells us, Sarah left. So take a look. I have the same message, the exact same situation, with the same exact result and reaction. Abraham heard that he's going to have a child after a hundred years. He left. Sarah heard that she's going to have a child after the 90 years of her age. She left. Two reactions, the exact same. But yet, we see that Hashem was upset with one and not the other. Who was Hashem upset with? Sarah. As you see in the Pasuk. Hashem says to Abraham Avinu, Hashem el Abraham, Lama Sarah lemor? Why is it that Sarah left? She said, Ha'af umnam eled vanizakanti. She said, Is it possible at this point for really for me to have a child? Hayipalema Hashem davar? Is there anything that God can't do? Hashem can do anything. So why'd she leave? One second. And I'm thinking to myself, at that moment, Abraham Avinu. Must have felt, oh boy, you're upset about Sarah that she left. I also left. And by the way, believe it or not, there is a pshat over here. That some of them Farshim want to say that in truth, Hashem was hinting to Abraham that he also did not do proper. But instead of saying it straight out, he mentions someone else is laughing for him to get the clue that, uh-oh, if he's upset about her laughing, Hashem is also upset about me laughing. So I have to do Teshuvah as well. But what's interesting is, on the simple words of the Pasuk, it simply sounds like that Hashem was upset at Sarah, but not Abraham. Why is that? 
they both reacted the exact same way. They both left. But yet, Hashem is upset at Sarah and not at Abraham. Why is that? So ladies, I want to share with you something that I think is an incredibly powerful message. Something that if we listen well, this is a message that might even be able to save our lives one day. This is an eye-opener. It starts with the book of Melachim, the famous story of the Isha HaShunamit. Now many of us know this story. The Isha HaShunamit was a woman who waited many, many years to finally have a child. She was barren for many years. She came to the Navi Elisha. And the Navi gave her a blessing. An incredible blessing. Hashem had mercy on the Isha Shunamit. And after many years, finally had a child, a baby boy. Now, some say that she waited 12 years. Other Mepharshim say it was 20 years. But finally, after that long period, after the Navi gave her a blessing and Hashem had mercy, she had a child. So the Navi picks up and tells us the following story. This little boy, only a few years old, suddenly he falls sick. So sick that the father sends the young boy up to his mother and says, take care of the child. He's terribly sick. The Shashunamit begins to take care of her child and she sees that the situation is getting worse and worse. And sure enough, the Pasuk tells us that the child she waited some 20 years for, the boy dies. She's heartbroken. She takes the boy, wraps him in a blanket, puts him in the back of the agala of the wagon. And she's now traveling out to the Navi. She's going to beg the Navi to revive the child. A miracle. Chiat HaMetim. And you know what the Pasuk tells us? On her way to the Navi, she bumps into her husband. And he says to her, Where are you going? I'm going to the Navi. What? You're going to the Navi? Today? Why today? The famous Pasuk, the husband says to his wife, Vayomer, Madua at Holechet Elav Hayom, Lo Chodesh Hayom, Velo Shabbat. Today is not Rosh Chodesh, and it's not Shabbat. It seems that in those times, the women would go out to the Navi to hear classes on Shabbat. I guess that's where we got it from. But nonetheless, they used to go out, but today is not Shabbat or Chodesh, so why are you going today? And she goes back to her husband. He says, is everything okay? Her answer is, Batomer Shalom. Everything is good. Everything is fine. Then the next Pasuk says, she continues to travel on. And she's on her way out to the Navi. And sure enough, she comes to the area where the Navi lives. And the Navi, Elisha, was outside with his Shamosh, the young boy, Gehazi. And the Navi says to the young boy, Gehazi, Oh, the Isha Shunamit, she's coming here. Quickly, run out and see if everything's okay. So Gehazi runs out to the Isha Shunamit. And he asks her the following question, Vatelech. And she's, he goes... <clears throat> He goes out to her and he says to the Shat Shunavit, listen to these words, Ata, with an ayin, right now, roots now, run likrata in front of her. And say to her, this is the Elisha telling Gechasi, Hashalom lach, 
Is everything okay? Hashalom le'ishech. Your husband all right? Hashalom la'yeled. Is your son okay? Vatomer. And what does she say to the boy Gehazi? Shalom. Everything is hunky dory, fine, peachy, wonderful. Everything's great. Everything's great. Then the next pasuk says, she comes to Elisha the Navi. She takes the child out of the back of the wagon. She says to the Navi, can you revive the child that I waited 20 years for? The child that you blessed me for? And Elisha, we all know the amazing story, an amazing miracle. He went, put his face on his face, his arms on his arms, his legs on his But he went and did this unbelievable tehiyata metim. Hashem had mercy and he revived the child. What an amazing story. Ladies, this is a pele. This is something beyond understanding. Here's a woman, waited 20 years to have a child. She has the boy. A few years old, the boy dies. She's on her way to the Navi to revive the boy. She bumps into her husband. Is everything okay? Why are you going to the Navi? You answer him, Shalom. Everything's fine. One second. The kid in the back seat is half his. Tell him. Tell him the boy died. Tell him what happened. It's his kid too. Not a word. Shalom. Everything's good. She goes out to the Navi. The Navi sees her. He sends out Gehazi. Are you okay? Your husband okay? Is the child okay? Her answer is, everything's great. Shalom. Doesn't say a word. Tell him. I'm here to come to the Navi. Please, tell the Navi. Let me in. I need to save the child. The child's dead. Not a word. Shalom. Everything's fine. Even when she comes to the Navi, all she says to the Navi is, can you revive him? She doesn't say one word. What's going on here? Why doesn't she just say what's going on? And the answer, ladies, is an unbelievable message. We don't know how powerful our words really are. She understood good and well the Isha Shunamit. That as long as she does not say it, it's not a reality. And therefore, when asked, is everything okay? Everything's fine. What's going on? Shalom. Everything's fine. Because she understood that if she would say, the boy is dead, then that would seal the deal. Those words would bring down the reality to the world and no longer can it be reversible. Once you say it, chalas, it's done. She sealed it. And therefore, not a word. What's going on? Shalom. Everything, sh everything is okay. And as long as she didn't say the words, the reality isn't here yet. It could still be reversed. She says it, she seals it. And therefore, right up to the Navi himself, she does not ever say the words. All she says, can you reverse it? And because of that, it was still reversible. And the Navi 
was able to bring the child back to life. Amazing. Look at the power of what words are. Look at the power of a few words. Believe it or not, even by the goyim, even in the medical industry, they will not recognize a person passing away until a doctor walks into the room and declares him dead. Why do we need that? The pulse stopped. The heart stopped. It's over. No. Until the doctor comes in and pronounces him dead, he's not dead. Until the words come out of my mouth, that's not the reality. Because the words create the reality. And therefore, she would not say it. That reality is not here yet. Keep it quiet. Keep it under the wraps. Keep it in secret so it still can be reversed. As long as something is not yet stated, it's undoable. You can undo it. You can reverse it. And sure enough, the Navi was able to reverse Antriyat It's an amazing concept. An unbelievable idea. And that's exactly what took place here by Abraham and Sarah Imenu. Abraham Avinu. You know why Hashem was upset at Sarah and not Abraham? Because when Hashem came to Abraham and He told him, Abraham, I'm going to give you a baby boy in a year. What does the Pasuk say? Vayipol Abraham alpanav, yes. Vayitzhak, and he laughed. Vayomer belibo. And he said in his heart, Haleben me'ashanim yivaled. In his heart. Meaning, he thought, is it possible? A hundred years old, and I can still have a child? But he didn't say a word. To think, you can think. Because that's where the belief is. That's where the faith is. Where is the faith? In life, we're always stuck with so many challenges. But that's the moment that in our minds, we go back and forth, and we think, and we work, and we... And then we believe. And the faith brings us back always to where we're supposed to be. Vayomer Bilibo. Where did he question in his heart, but he never said a word, Abraham? Because as long as you don't say a word, everything's possible. Everything's doable. Don't say a word. And sure enough, Billy Bo, he did not say a word. However, when it came to Sarah Imenu, do you know why Hashem was upset at Sarah Dafka? Because the Pasuk says, Vatitzhak Sarah Bikirba Lemor. Oh, she said it. What did she say? You're going to take an older, wrinkled woman and you're going to bring her back young, smooth skin. Meaning, you're going to make a young lady out of an older woman possibly to be able to have a child at 90 years old? It can't happen! Oh no. You said those words? Lemor? You said that? Says Boreolam. Once you said those words, your words just created the reality. Now, now I can't do it for you anymore. Now you just commopped the whole prophecy, the whole blessing, because of your words. Now we got to start all over again, a new miracle, a new zechut, a new cycle. And that's why later on in the Psukim, Hashem had to come again 
and give the blessing to Abraham Avinu all over again. These are the power of a person's words. It's an amazing concept. Words can build worlds and words can destroy them as well. And our words, we don't realize how powerful they are. But the great Reb Yaakov Chuli, you take a look in his Sefer, Ma'amlo Ez, he writes that every person has an angel that follows us wherever we go. And that angel is holding a pad and pen, so to speak. And he's writing down every word you say. And those words that you say, you're held to as your reality. That's the power of a person's words. And there's no word that slips by. Every word is recorded and every word is used. Every word. And that's why I want to tell you something. Many years ago, when I was still part of a camp here in the community, we took the guys, the kids out to Great Adventures. And there was a counselor there. He thought he was funny. He was trying to give the kids a good time. He had good intentions. But he went a little bit too far. He went to the security office, a great adventure, and as a sketch, you know sometimes guys like joking around, he told the security office, oh my gosh, my leg, my leg, I think I broke my leg, can you give me a security pass so I can go through the express line on the rides so I don't have to wait the 45 minutes on all the roller coasters? And they said, yeah, sure, you hurt your leg, no problem. They gave him a handicap security sticker. And he was able to go to the express line. He was able to go on any ride he wanted. Chick chock in seconds, no line. They brought him right to the front. And then after that, they said to him, Oh, listen, if you're limping like that and you really hurt your leg, you know, you should see a doctor. He says, Yeah, 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 tomorrow I'm going to see a doctor. Right now, I'm just going to go around and give the kids a, a good time. So they said, Well, should we give you that, uh, that little motorized scooter? You know, the one, the little go-kart that you see going around Great Adventure? He says, yeah, I didn't know you guys had that. Sure, give me that too. He takes the motorized scooter and he has all the kids in his bunk hanging on the scooter. He's driving them around, giving the kids a great time, going from ride to ride, not waiting on any lines, zipping right through the express line because he had the handicap sticker. He thought he was ahead of the game. He thought he beat the system. And he gave the kids a great time. However, in the afternoon, he went on the Congo Rapids, which in my day was called the Roaring Rapids. It's a water ride that basically goes through a certain side of the park, and it makes as if you're going through the Roaring Rapids, rapids of water. And sure enough, at the end of the ride, he gets out of the boat, and everything is wet because it's splashing all over the place. And he takes a step, and he slips, and he broke his leg. And then I got the call. Would the rabbi from Camp Sha'arim show up by the Congo Rapids? We have an injury. And I'm saying, oh, I'm thinking to myself, oh, you, what? I'm going to have to start calling mothers now and parents. There's an injury. It's probably a kid. Oh, you, and I was running. I, was, I remember running like a crazy guy from one side of the park to the other side of the park just to see Hasrashalom, what took place. And then I see one of my counselors are down. I said, what happened? And he says to me, I, I think I shouldn't have said what I said. I said, what, what did you say? And then right there on the floor, he tells me the whole story. And he shows me the little motor scooter. And he shows me the handicap sticker. And he says, I told them I broke my leg. And I think I just broke my leg. 
you don't know what those words are. I said, then why'd you say that? How could you say a thing like that? You don't say a thing like that. I. But you know, many times people think that these things are heebie-jeebie. It's like, you know, uh, you brought it on yourself. No, but it, there really is something to this. There really is something to this. Do you know who says this, Pshat? The Rabbanit of the great Rabbi Arya Levine. She was the one that gave this beautiful explanation. Why was Hashem upset at Sarah and not at Abraham Avinu? Because she said it. And he didn't. He only thought it. And once those words come out of your mouth, that's it. There's no taking them back. It creates the reality. And because of that, the prophecy could not succeed. Unbelievable. What an incredible concept. A few years back, a guy that I know from the community gave me a call. I know him for many years. I know him from the days when he was a kid. And he says to me, Rabbi, you know, we, we, we were together for a long time. I feel that I'm comfortable enough. I can trust you enough to tell you something personal that's going on in my life. And I really need a hand. He says, I'm not really comfortable with telling other people. So maybe if you can just pray for me. I said, sure. What's, what's the matter? He says, my wife has been going to doctors now for almost a month. And we've gone to the biggest specialists. And nobody knows what she has. And she's so sick. And I can see that she can't even get out of bed without me helping her. And she tells me that her bones are rattling. And she doesn't know what it's from, what happened. The doctors, test after test, MRIs, this, that, x-rays. They can't find it. In the eyes of the doctor is perfectly healthy. They don't know what's going on. Could you pray for her? I said, yeah, I'm going to pray for her. And I'm going to pray for you. This must be really tough on the two of you. He says, well, I'll tell you the truth. Pray for her. Me, I probably deserve this. I said, what? Well, God forbid. Don't say that. Why why would you say anything like that? He said, I'll tell you the truth. He says, I was embarrassed to say this. And I wasn't going to tell you. But now that you brought it up. A little over a month ago, he says, you know the boss I work for. He's a really rough boss. Tough, tough boss. He says, I woke up late one morning. And I was getting out to the city really late. And I was worried that my boss might fire me. Because he's that type of guy. He hears I woke up late. Oh boy, forget it. Shahita, it's done. I was worried. I don't want to lose my job. So when I came into my boss, I told him, listen, my wife got so sick. And we don't even know what it is. And I had to stay with her. And I had to help her out of bed. And I had, to, I, I had to literally carry around the house. And that's why I'm late. And my boss felt bad for me. So he let me off. He let me go. And he says, that night I came home. I'm sitting down to supper with my wife. We started eating all of a sudden. Out of nowhere. It's like something just hit her. She started feeling so. This and that. And later on that night it got worse. And for the last month, he says, I know what it is. He says, it was my big mouth. You don't say things like that. You don't know what words are. You don't know the power behind the words. You know, there's at least something that the magicians got right. Their magic tricks, okay, those are halakhically questionable. Maybe one day we'll talk about this. But one thing they got right, abracadabra. At least that they got right. Abira kidabira. 
Abira means I will create. Kidabira like my words. Words create. Words create. Bore Olam, Kivyachol. The way he created the world, Asara Ma'amarot, with ten speakings. Ten speakings of speech. Hashem Kivyachol spoke and the world was created as we know it. Look at the power of a word. The words of Sarah Imenu literally kamapped the prophecy, the blessing that Hashem gave them. But it was coming to them. You spoke. You said it can't be. Now it can't be. Now your words created a new reality. Words can create worlds and destroy worlds. You have to be so careful with your words. I once heard from a great tzaddik in Eretz Yisrael something that to me was frightening. He says to me that Abba, Avinu Shabbat Shamayim, Hashem loves us so much that when He gives us a gift, He wants us to use it to benefit us, not to hurt us. If a parent sees that a gift that was given is going to hurt the child, as opposed to help the child, they take the gift away. I remember in Lakewood, I wasn't thinking of saying this, but here we are. I remember years ago when those new scooters came out with the motor, and those things were fast. Parents were giving it to kids right and left. And I remember one time seeing a kid flying down the block, no helmet on, and sure enough, it was too fast. He tried to make a turn. The kid went flying in the air, hit his head on the thing. The kid, oh, oh, oh. It, wasn't, it wasn't a pretty sight. It looked like it was an accident. It took a salah. The kid was in bed for three weeks. He broke an arm. He broke it. His parents took it away. I gave that to you as a present. But if it's going to work against you to hurt you, I have to take it away. I heard from a great tzaddik in Eretz Yisrael. People that aren't careful with their words, and especially if they use the power of speech and they abuse it in shul. People who talk in shul. People who talk words that are not allowed to be spoken. Whether it be ayin harat words on other people. Whether it be words of jealousy. Whether it be words lashon hara. But he especially told me about speaking and talking in shul. Hashem says, I gave you those words to create worlds with, to create a reality to benefit you. And you're using that gift against me? You're using that gift to use words instead, to instead of being mechabed shamayim, and to give kavot to bore olam. You're using it chashanti mezalzel in Hashem's house? If that's the case... I have to take the gift away. No longer can your words create. No longer will your tefillot be heard. God forbid, that's the most worst of punishments. The moment the Jews' words aren't heard, that's the moment that the Jews become disconnected. Hakol kol Yaakov, this is our strength. Hayadayim yideesav. Esau fights with his hands. We fight with our mouth, with our tefillot. God forbid we lose our tefillot is because we lost our words. We didn't use the gift. We abused it instead of used it. And sure enough, has shalom. How does a person get the gift back? He starts becoming careful with their words. They take a Kabbalah from this point and on. I'm going to be really careful with what I say. Take a look at what words can do. You can even give yourself an ayin hara. 
You create your own reality. Al tiftah pe lasata. Know the power of your words. How careful we got to be. But yet, ladies, I want to tell you another beautiful, beautiful idea today. Because here it is, you know, we asked a powerful question. Sarah, Abraham, the same reaction, both left. But yet, why was Hashem upset at Sarah, Imenu, and not Abraham, Avinu? I'd like to share something with you. Beautiful pshat that I heard many years ago. And this is a pshat that's going to open our eyes to a concept that affects us as well on a daily basis. If you take a good look, you're going to see that there's something hidden in the pasuk that we've read so many times and we just didn't catch. Amazing. The pasuk tells us that when the angels came, Sarah heard the besura and she left. Why did she leave? So Chazal tell us a beautiful pshat. Sarah Imenu. We all know that she was greater than Abraham Avinu in prophecy. She was greater than Abraham Avinu in Madrega. But yet, she left. How is that possible in the first place? How do you make sense out of that? Here is the great Sarah Imenu. She is the tzadeket of the whole world. She's greater than her husband in prophecy and in Madrega. And she left. She doesn't believe that Hashem could do anything. Sarai Menu was the one who taught all the women of the generation. Abraham Avinu was Mikarev the men. Sarai Menu was Mikarev the woman. So she's the one that's making Baalei Teshuvah every day from the women. She's the one that's telling the women of the generation that Hashem is the only one. Hashem can do anything. Monotheism. Throw away the Avodah Zarah. Only believe in Hashem and no one else because He can do anything. And then sure enough, it comes to Sarah herself and she laughs. The rabbis tell us, Sarai Meno knows good and well, better than any of us, the tzaddeket that she was. As we know in next week's parasha, when she leaves this world, Chaye Sarah, Rashi tells us, with no sin. A hundred years, as clean as twenty years, as clean as seven years. No sin. Sarai Meno, beyond anything that we can imagine, Sarai Menu Goodwell, that Hashem can do anything. She would never question that, and she would never laugh. You know why she laughed? Because of a completely different reason. Sarai Menu, the Midrash writes that for a hundred years of not having children, knowing that she was the tzaddeket of the generation, she saw that something was holding her back. Says the Midrash, you know what was holding it, she felt, she thought? It was Hagar. Hagar came from Paro. Hagar was the princess of Egypt. And the Arabs are milumad in the ways of Ayin Hara. Midrash writes this, right here on the parasha. And she felt that Hagar was giving her Ayin Hara. And that Ayin Hara, that she, Sarah, was the choice wife, the real wife, so to speak, of Abraham Avinu, that Ayin Hara was holding her from having what Sarah Imenu the Tzadeket was waiting to have, a child. 
And because of that, here the big day, the Malachim come, Abraham takes them in, suddenly they reveal themselves to be a messenger from Borei Olam. They deliver the amazing Besurat Tova. And here are the words, ladies. Listen to this Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Vayomer, and they said to Abraham Avinu, Shov ashuv elecha ke'et haya. We will return in a year from now in this time. Vihine ben lesara ishtecha. And your wife Sarah is going to have a son. Vesara shamat. And Sarah, she was listening. Petach ha'ohel. From the doorway of the tent. Vehu aharav. And he was behind the door. Who's he? Who's he? She was listening as they gave her the beautiful besurah that she's going to have a baby and he was behind the door. Who's he? Says the Midrash, he was Yishmael. Yishmael was placed behind the door listening in to the conversation and she knew it. And in order to avoid the Ayin Hara from Yishmael. She left it off. She left it off. What do we do when we don't want to get Ayin Hara? We make little of it. We make light of it. We make small of it. That's nah, not so great. Nah, it's, it's not a big deal. Nah, come on. Says Sana. Really? Come on. Look at me. I'm 90 years old. I'm going to have a child? Nah. She left. But deep down inside, she knew good and well. Oh, Fashem is giving me this besura. She was dancing inside. She was elated. She knew that Hashem could do anything. This is Sarah, the greatest Sadekit of the generation. But on the outside, she left in order to make it kacha, small, so that Yishmael, who's on the other side of the door listening in, won't give her the Ayin Hara of the mother in order to stop this as well. Because Ayin Hara is something that is incredibly powerful. And that's why we shouldn't believe in it. But if we do believe in it, the power is incredible. That Abaye walked by the cemetery and looked inside and said, 99% of those who passed away in this cemetery was due to Ayin Hara. 99%. That's incredible. The power of Ayinara is unbelievable. And she knew it. And she said, oh no. His mother's Ayinara damaged me all these years. And now him, I'm not going to have it. Let me camouflage it. Let me make nothing of it. Let me show like, ah, come on. And like this, there'll be no Ayinara. Not from the mother, not from the son. Yishmael also did not want there to be another son. The moment there's another son, there's another heir to the Yerusha, to the dynasty of Abraham. He didn't know nobody wants competition. Says the Midrash, in order to evade the Ayn Hara from Yishmael, she made it nothing. Ladies, what was Yishmael doing on the other side of the door? What's going on here? Says the Midrash, something brilliant. Says the Midrash, Abraham Avinu. He ran 
the greatest inn hotel of those years, as we all know. He ran in Eshel. And because of that, Abraham was outside recruiting, as we saw in the parasha. And then he would send them in to eat where his wife was, preparing the food. Ba'ohel. This is the ohel of Abraham Avinu. Abraham was worried. He has men coming in and out where his wife was. In order to avoid the problem of Yehud, Abraham stationed Yishmael by the door. So like this, his wife will never be in a situation of one and one in a secluded place. Ah, you're going to tell me the door was open. And you're going to tell me that Bala Ba'ir, Abraham was around. These are all great questions. But I'm just verbatim telling you what the Midrash says. The Midrash writes, He put Yishmael stationed by the door for Yehud purposes. So that Sarah, that Sadeket, will never have a problem of Yehud for those who may be walking in. And she knew it. And she knew who was standing by the door at all times. And the moment this great Besura came in, she also knew what was coming. She knew the Ayin Hara that he was going to give. And because of that, she left it off. She made nothing of it. How do we see this? I want to tell you something that I think is truly incredible. This is something that you see in the Pasuk, and once you see it, it blows your mind. The Hazarim and our beautiful weddings... They sing the song, "Vani berov hazdecha, avoel betecha, eshtachave elecham kochecha biratecha." As they come up to the chupa of Hatan and Kala. Why that song? Matovu ohalechi Yaakov. They sing that one too under the chupa. Why? Why these songs? Why these psukim? There is a very special name of Hashem, a name that's not well known, a hidden name. That is Neged Ayin Hara. When this name is there, it wipes out all Ayin Hara. It protects against all Ayin Hara. And what is that name? The name is basically put as Aleph Aleph He. That name, however it's pronounced, when that name is present, all Ayin Hara is taken away. Take a look at the Pasuk that we sing for Chatan and Kala. Vani Berov Hazdecha. Aboel betecha eshtachave el hechal. Aleph, Aleph, He. In order to invoke this name of Hashem, so that the Hatan in Kala, on the night of their great blessings, their beginning of the building of a Bayit Ne'eman, and everybody's looking, and they're looking at the beautiful flowers, and they're looking at all the trimmings. And then they're looking at the beautiful hole. And the chatan, wow, what a girl. And the kala. And obviously there's comments always on the dress. And there's comments on... I just made a wedding recently, so I, I kind of got to learn this for the first round in an amazing way. I didn't have a clue what I was getting into. And they, wow, look at this. And the flowers and that. In such a place, don't you want chatan and kala to get a shot? And starting their lives on the right foot. You want them to start with blessing, not chasr shalom, anything else. So quickly, what do we tell the chazan to sing? Oh, eshtachave el hechal kochecha biratecha. Aleph, aleph, he. Eshtachave el hechal. Aleph, aleph, he. Once that name of Hashem is mentioned, 
even in the code, it already wipes out a line on Matovu ohalecha Yaakov mishkenotecha Yisrael. Who said that? Bilam. And what was the point of that pasuk? Showing that the Jewish people are above the ayin. Bilam used to curse with the ayin hara. He was the master at the ayin hara curse. That was his strongest technique. And yet, when he came to the Jewish people, he couldn't do it. He says, wow, look at these people. They're above the ayin hara. Matovu ohalecha Yaakov mishkenotecha Yisrael. So in order to avoid the Ayin Hara, Chatanikala, we sing that one too. You're above the Ayin Hara. You are not touchable. You're not going to be Chas Shalom. This is a night of blessing for you. Not Chas Shalom, anything else. Now you want to see it in the Pasuk by Sarah Imenu. You want to see the cherry on top? We're going to show you. Right here in the Pasuk. The worry of Sarah was only about the Ayin Hara of Hu Acharav. Ishmael behind the door. And that's why she left. She left only to laugh it off. As to make it small. So that she doesn't get the Aina. But of course she believed. Where is it? There it is. Vayomer Hashem el Abraham. Hashem said to Abraham. Lama sachaka Sarah lemor. Why did Sarah laugh and say? What did she say? Ha'af. Umnam Eled. Is it possible that I'm going to give birth? He Aleph Aleph. There it is. Ha'af Umnam Eled. He Aleph Aleph. Says Bore Olam to Abraham. I know why Sarah left. She left in order to avoid the Ayin Hara. Because Yishmael was behind the door. But still, says Bore Olam, when I give a blessing, not even Ayin Hara can touch it. And that's the next line. You don't think I can get rid of the ayin hara? Now what does this mean? So ladies, I want to share with you a secret. Now that we established what's really going on in the Pasuk, now that we established why Hashem was upset, at Sarah and not Abraham, although never to think that Sarah didn't believe, Sarah Imenu, her whole life, she preached to the women that Hashem could do anything. Yeah, but she laughed, to laugh it off, to avoid the Ayin Hara. Says Boreola, but even that you shouldn't have done. Don't worry about the Ayin Hara when you place yourself in Hashem's hands. Let me tell you this secret. I want to share this with you. How many times we run into these issues of Ayin Hara? How many times we have well-meaning people who don't mean to hurt. They don't mean to hurt. Your kids are gorgeous. Oh boy, oh yeah, yeah. How many times we hear this? And their eyes are, uh, and they're dribbling by the, especially when they drop their voice to a whisper. Your kids are gorgeous. Oh no, no, that's the minute I can feel it. My bones are, get back, stand back. You want to ward them off. You want to jump in front of your kids like Yosef jumped in front of his mother. Don't look at my kids. Don't zap them. How many times? Oh, you know who just built the house? You have to see their house. Beautiful house. I'm waiting for somebody to make a Chinese auction in that house already. I need to see the inside of that house. Oh, Shema Yisrael. 
And then they come in looking at every molding and they start taking inventory with no bushah. It's amazing where people went with this these days. What a beautiful house this one has. This one just got a new car. That one's going on vacation. Look at the kids. Look at this. Look at the why, why, why. So much ayin hara. What do you do? What do you do? How do you avoid this? The secret is in this pasuk right here. Incredible secret. This is something we need to know, especially today. How does ayin hara work? You know, contrary to the common belief that ayin hara is like the eyes of somebody zaps them. It's like, oh, don't, don't, go, don't, don't go near that lady. She zaps people. No, that's not, that's no one zapping nobody. It doesn't work that way, necessarily. You know, it's like the old lady, you know, you picture out of the, uh, with the one eye and the bent finger, you know, come here, dearie. You know, you know, <laughs> you know, you know no, it doesn't work that way. That's not the way Ayn Hara works. So how does it work? When somebody looks at you and they begin the strew of compliments, and they start saying, wow this and wow that. And they start feeling a little jealousy on the inside. A feeling of, hey, why does this person have and I don't have? At that moment, when they put their eye on you, they put the focus on you in heaven as well. Then now Shamaim suddenly focuses that spotlight on you as well. And now, not just the person, but Shamaim begins to question, one second, why does this person have better than other people? Do they deserve it? Let's open the books and let's find out if they deserve what they have or not. In basic terms, when someone starts wowing and looking at other people in jealousy, they're basically throwing judgment on the people they're looking at. And at that moment, Shamayim opens the books. Because if they're looking, heaven's looking. And they start to judge and say, wait, are they deserving to have such wealth? Are they deserving to have such a beautiful house? Beautiful kids? Lavishing vacation? Are they deserving to such a lifestyle? And who could stand under the microscope of judgment? Nobody. Once it comes down to judgment, it's very hard. And hashalom, that's when bad things start happening. Because sure enough, we all live on the mercy of Hashem. Hashem is Erech Hashem is so patient and merciful that what Hashem does like a father to his kids, He doesn't judge them on the letter of the law. Hashem lets things slide. Hashem knows that we don't deserve most of the things we have, but He lets it go. No, don't worry, they'll fix things. Yeah, come on. They're good kids. They're good kids. You ever, see, you ever hear parents talk about their own kids? When a teacher comes to chastise a child, teacher comes and your kid, da, da, come on, he's a good kid. Yeah, okay, but what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> what do you mean? But you know, but the, you know, in class, he's, he's like, yeah, but he's a good kid. But that's a parent. Hashem is the ultimate, a father of fathers. So Hashem lets things go. But then when someone looks at you, they force the judgment in heaven to be thrown on. Once we go into judgment, who can live through the microscope of judgment? And at that moment, chas v'shalom, things start to happen. So what do we do? How do we avoid this? And the answer is here in the Pasuk. And the answer is 
that when someone comes and starts wowing and talking and saying the things they're saying about you, your kids, your husband, your life, your wealth, your house, your car, your this, your answer is, it's from Hashem. It's God's mercy. I really don't deserve it. It's all from Hashem. He's so merciful. It's all from Hashem. What does that do? I know it's cliche in a little way, and it sounds like, you know, no, but what does that do, though? You know what that does? If Ayin Hara works, that they throw judgment on you. And the judgment means that now heaven is looking at you to see if you deserve it or not, so they open the books and they see if you're deservant. By you coming now and saying, it's from Hashem, I don't deserve it. It's all God's mercy. Mercy! Oh! Now there's no reason for judgment. If the person themselves admits that they don't deserve it, if the person themselves say, this is all from Hashem's chesed, Hashem's mercy, this is rachamesh shamayim. Okay, we know that Hashem always has mercy beyond the call, beyond the letter of the law. And if that's the case, now you explain to heaven that there's no point of the judgment. I don't deserve it. At that moment, they close the books. But not always you hear people You're right. That's why you got to find the right circles of people to hang out with. Find real friends. Don't find materialistic friends. It's, I feel like it's normal living in a community. You're right. Like people just walking past you. Like, you are correct. I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. This is an epidemic that we really got to do something about. Unless you live in a cave. Uh, not necessarily. We could find a better circle of people that are not just materialistic driven that they might have a little bit more to life than just examining and grading people by their financial status there's a big difference you could tell the difference between the sincerity compliment and the oohs and the ahs and the wows and the woos on a jealousy statement you could see it you could see it every time you want to see where it's in the Pasuk? Here it is. Why did Sarah laugh off the prophecy in order to avoid the Ayin Hara from Yishmael that was behind the door? That she went and said the name of God of He Aleph Aleph in order to get at it, Ayin Hara? God says, she didn't have to do that. You know why? If you're worried about Ainara, all you got to do is Just say it's from God. And He's merciful. And He gives when you don't deserve. And if the person himself is Hodad Baldin, the person himself admits openly, I don't deserve. This is all God's mercy. What's there to judge? Judgment is all about do you deserve it or not. But I, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't deserve it. Hashem's, Hashem's mercy? Okay, if it's God's mercy, there's nothing to look at. I'm the judge. It's right there in the Pasuk. We have to train ourselves to be discreet. We have to train ourselves to get a little bit more tsanua. You know, every time we speak about tsaniut, people always think it's about clothing. Not necessarily. It's about life and behavior. Siniut respect applies to men as well. It's the concept of not flaunting, not putting your stuff out there. Don't put your kids out there. Don't put 
your life out there. Today with social media, this became tenfold more difficult. Today, everything is out there. There is no privacy anymore. Today, every vacation, if they don't send back 105 pictures, that by the way, most of the time are mostly bogus. I know many, many, many couples over the years that if you would have looked at the pictures of their vacations, you would have thought that they are the most romantic, put together, wow, whining and dining couple that you'd want, wow, to bless your kids after them. And then you find out that their marriage went right out the window. You see, we could show the world what we want them to see, but it's not necessarily the truth. We're living in an age where seeing is not believing. We lost the gift of privacy. We lost the gift of sini'ut. And this is something that was mamash paramount once in the Jewish people. We were a very private people. And this was Bil'am. Bil'am said, He spoke about the house. The houses that windows didn't go up against other people's windows. What does that mean? That means that people weren't looking at the other guy. They weren't grading the other guy. But today, there's such pressure. Because it's not a private society anymore. If you don't fit in, you looked at a second grade. As grade B people, God forbid. And these are the messages that the kids are getting. Today, I teach in a high school. The kids are being brought up. If you're not incredibly wealthy, you're a nobody. And nothing else counts. And it doesn't matter how you get there either. You can steal, you can cheat, you can... doesn't matter. It's all kasher in the eye of the dollar. But the moment that it comes to morals, when it comes to some... Torah? Eh, Rabbi, what am I going to use that for? More? Okay, you know, whatever. I'll buy her something else. She'll love me tomorrow. What an empty society. We lost the concept and the gift of Sineut and Klal Yisrael. This is something to bring back. And therefore, I'm departing today with you two messages. Your words, how powerful they are. And our home, how private they must be. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. This is Rabbi Divi Ben Shushan from Congregation Magen Abraham. Please tune in every week on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Have a great week. Shabbat Tov.